It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yes. Talk Recorded live. Well, hello, 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 and welcome to Women of Grace, a voice in the wilderness. I have not been on Talk Shoe in a number of years um, because of the things that the Lord has been training me in. Last time I was on here, I was on a prayer line. Uh, a prayer line that was back in 2009 and um, at that time I was going through some things at that time that um, you know it's funny how people in Christ they get so up there that they cannot fall and they have no compassion for those that have fallen well I'm here to tell you my name is Sister Jackie Gordon Grace And I am the founder of Women of Grace, A Voice in the Wilderness. And we have been, well, basically I have been doing a teaching in four teachings, actually two, um, the Book of Romans, we've been studying out of that, and also spiritual strategy and kingdom living. I do the Book of Romans on Mondays through Fridays, hallelujah, at 6 30 in the morning from 6 30 to 7 either 7 or 6 30 all depends when I um, uh, wake up when the Lord wakes me up but um, we have I have been doing a study in the book of Romans Monday through Fridays and and it's been very interesting uh, very blessed to do those studies in the morning um, before I go to work. Uh, getting started in the Word of God is the most important thing. Also on the Sabbath, Saturday, Saturday morning and Saturday evening, I do spiritual strategies and kingdom living. Uh, today we just did that. I've been having difficulty with the um, the um, audio. But praise God, I had uh, always had talk shoe and decided I was going to try it out here to see how it works out. Um, to see how it works out. But nevertheless, I want to um, do Romans chapter 2, verse 1 through 29 right now here while I'm doing this test call because this is just a test call Uh, Romans chapter 2 verse 1 through 29 uh, is um, where we are at right now in our weekly study and our key verses is um, there will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil first to the Jew then for the Gentile but glory honor and peace For everyone who does good, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For God does not show 
favoritism. Here, God does not show favoritism. Neither should we, as the body of Christ, show any type of favoritism. Hallelujah. But that is in the church today that we do show favoritism. Um, having presented mankind's degraded condition in the previous chapter, Paul knows that some will react to his graphic description of their wickedness with the cry, I'm not like that. His purpose now is to prove that everyone is guilty. All men have sinned, whether Jew or Gentile. And this is um, this is a study that I'm sharing with my audience from Online Bible College. And um, I am allowed to share these studies as I go along, hallelujah, to bless the body of Christ. And um, the, the studies have been a blessing to me. I had to, when in, Roman, in Revelations it said you have lost your first love, you have left your first love, so I had to start over back again, learning and knowing about who Christ is, and, and God has been tremendously blessing me. I thank the Lord that he has compassion and mercy. I thank the Lord that he's an understanding God and that he knows the secrets of man's heart. And I thank the Lord that he did not leave me nor forsake me like others did in the body of Christ. You know, when a soldier falls, we are supposed to be there to pick them up, to help and assist them. Hallelujah. I had one sister tell me that um, she don't need this drama in her life. Hallelujah. But she was proclaiming the word of the, the word of God. And wanted to minister to other people, but if you can't minister to those that are already in the army, that are hurting, how would you minister to those that uh, that you're trying to enlist in the army? Hallelujah! But I thank God that He had a plan and He had a purpose for my life, even though I had many enemies rise up against me, praying against me that I would fail and not succeed. And, and the purposes of God for my life. But, you know, God, I thank God for who he is. He's God. He's almighty, and my life is in his hands. But let's move, let's move on in this lesson. It says, we cannot judge others. And during my time where I failed and, and, and God brought me back, I was judged by others. Romans, let's turn our swords Hallelujah. Let's turn our swords to Romans chapter 2. Let me pull that up. As you can hear, you hear the dogs barking. Romans chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Uh, we're going to read. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Romans chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Father, we just thank you for your word on today. We thank you, Father, that you are a merciful God. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God that restores, that you are a God that heals. Father, that you are the God that is the author and finisher of our faith and that you would never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you, Father, as you... In Illuminate our hearts and our mind to what your word is saying, Father, to us individually, Lord God. And that, Father, we would walk 
Father, in the truth, Lord, that that truth will become a part of our lives, that will become reality. Thank you, Father, that we are, Father, epistles read by men, O Lord, and that, Father, we are uh, uh, vessels of love, O Lord, demonstrating your love to a hurting world. We thank you, Father, in Yeshua's name we pray, amen. Here in Romans chapter 2, verse 1 and 3, it reads, Therefore you have no excuse or defense or justification, O man, whoever you are, who judges and condemns another. For imposing as judge and passing sentence on another, you condemn yourself. Because you who judge are habitually practicing the very same things that you censor and denounce. But we know that the judgment, adverse, verdict, sentence of God falls justly and in accordance with truth upon those who practice such things. And do you think or imagine, O man, when you judge and condemn those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape God's judgment and elude his sentence and averse verdict? Hallelujah. This is why we should not judge. For this very scripture right here. And we should not pass judgment or condemn Hallelujah, those in the body of Christ or even those outside the body of Christ. Glory to God. In Gill's commentary, it says, Some think from the connection of these words with the preceding chapter that the Gentiles are here meant, and particularly those among them who seem to be virtuous, and took up them to be the reprovers of others, and yet did the same things themselves as aristocrats. Hallelujah. Uh, but therefore must be inexcusable because they knew better, and would be and and would be thought to have been so. Wherefore such could never be justified before God by their works but might be justified, condemned by him. Nor shall they escape his righteous judgments. Others thinks the Jews are met, and who despise and condemn the Gentiles, and thought themselves to be righteous, uh, be righteous persons and justified in the sight of God, and who, though they were secretly guilty of many abominable inquiries, yet were very severe upon the sins of others, and therefore inexcusable. Others think that magistrates are designed, whether among Jews or Gentiles, who reprove and punish sin in others, and therefore must be supposed to know the law. Uh, see, we are not to judge one another. And, and the reason Paul is saying this is because we are all sinners. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. I wouldn't care what type of title that you have. Um, how long you walk with the Lord, we all are sinners. And and Christ came to save those that was lost, to clean, to cleanse us and wash us in the blood, in his blood, that we may be clean and justified in the sight of God. But we cannot, hallelujah, 
straddle the fence. Live a life in the world and yet also call on the name of the Lord. And this is what was going on. This is what Paul is referring to, that um, you have some in the body of Christ today that are holier than thou, but secretly lead a secret life of sin. Hallelujah. See, we cannot judge one another if we are not with that person on a daily basis. Uh, uh, We can't even go by sight or what we see. Whoever thou art that judged, whether a Jew or Gentile, a public magistrate or a private person, for wherein thou judgest another, that is, in what case or instance, hallelujah, that by judging we condemn ourselves. Hallelujah. When we look at the wickedness of someone else and then compare our own lives to him, we may be able to say, I'm not as bad as he is. But the standard by which we measure ourselves is not the evil that others do, but the righteous standard of God himself. As Paul says in Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Compared to his holiness, all of us are wicked. Paul will underline and explain on this vital fact in the rest of Romans chapter 2 and chapter 3. Now, man is guilty by thought. Man is guilty by thought. Paul goes on to reveal how man is guilty, not just by actions, but by his heart intent. You know, sin begins in the heart before it's the outward action. And this is where Christ was focused on, that sin began in the thought. Hallelujah. And then it was manifested out in in action. Uh, The Jews had been given God's law through Moses, but Jesus taught that God's righteous standard is even higher than the Ten Commandments, found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 through 17. He said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 and 27, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to the judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It is a spiritual thing, beloved. Hallelujah. It's a spiritual thing. It all starts in the spirit. Turn your swords to Matthew's chapter 5. That's Matthew's chapter 5 uh, at verse uh, 17. Hallelujah. And it reads, Do not think that I have come to do away with or undo the law or the prophets. I'm reading out the Amplified Bible. I have come not to do away with or undo, but to complete and fulfill them. But truly I tell you, until the sky and earth pass away and perish, not one smallest letter nor one little hook identifying certain Hebrew letters will pass from the law until all things it foreshadows are accomplished. Whoever then breaks or does away with or relax one of the least important of these commandments 
Listen to what Christ is saying because this is highlighted in red. This is very important. He says, whoever then breaks or does away with or relax one of the least important of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least important in the kingdom of heaven. But he who practices them and teaches others to do so shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness, your uprightness and right standing with God is more than that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to the men of old, you shall not kill, and whoever kills shall be liable to and unable to escape the punishment imposed by the court. But I say to you, that everyone who continues to be angry with his brother or harbors malice, enmity, or heart or of heart against him shall be liable to and unable to escape the punishment imposed by the court. And whoever speaks contemptuously and insultingly to his brother shall be liable to and unable to escape the punishment imposed by the Sanhedrin. And whoever says, you cursed fool, you empty-headed idiot, shall be liable to and unable to escape the hell, Gehenna, of fire. So if when you are offering your gift at the altar, you there remember that your brother has any grievance against you, leave your gift at the altar and go. First make peace with your brother and then come back and present your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way traveling with him. Lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will not be released until you have paid the least fraction of a penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say unto you that everyone who... So much as looks at a woman with evil desire for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye serves as a trap to ensnare you or is an occasion for you to stumble and sin, pluck it out and throw it away. It is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be cast into hell. Gehenim. And he goes on to talk about divorce and, and oaths and hallelujah and vengeance. Uh, read Matthews chapter 5 verse 17 to 48. And God is instructed not just in your actions but in your heart, your thoughts, your feelings, and your attitude. How you treat one another. And I tell you, beloved, when I was going through, when I had fallen away and the Lord brought me back, hallelujah, I was persecuted by the church. It was not the world. It wasn't the lost people. It was those that call on the name of the Lord. And and how I was treated, hallelujah, in that time of need where I needed the prayers of the saints. I needed the comfort of the saints. I needed the encouragement of the saints at that time. And and I did not receive it, but uh, praise be to God, all is forgiven. And I asked the Lord to fig, forgive them, for they knew not what they were doing. And um, as he said to Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, the Lord does not look at the things man look at, 
Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Our prayer should be, O Father, change my heart. And when our hearts are changed, we'll be able to see, hallelujah, the hearts of others. I remember when I first got saved, hallelujah, that uh, um, the Lord took me to a, a different level in him, in the spirit. And it was so intense that I can hear the spirit of a person crying. I could hear what they were speaking in their hearts and in their spirit. And 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 the Holy Spirit at that time, I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit, began to minister to me how to minister to that person. See, we cannot look at the outward appearance of an individual. We must ask the Lord to open up the eyes of our heart. Hallelujah, that we may be able to minister to the heart. Hallelujah, as God does. Let's turn to Psalms. We're going to go to Psalms 139. Psalms 139, and we're going to read verses 1 through 4, which reads, O Lord, you have searched me thoroughly and have known me. You know my downsetting and my uprising. You understand my thoughts afar off. You shift and search out my path and my lying down, and you are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue still unuttered, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. See, the Lord knew that I would be sitting here at 9.16 p.m. Pacific, uh, Pacific time, hallelujah, speaking this word to you. Hallelujah. He knows it all together. He sees my heart, that I have a heart to teach the word, the true unadulterated word of God to the people. Hallelujah. To, to prepare them for the king's return. Let's jump down to verse 23 and 24 of Psalms 139. And it reads, Search me thoroughly, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any wicked or hurtful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We need to get our hearts together first before we could minister to someone else. We need to be right in our hearts before the Lord. Hallelujah. Facts that shocked the Jews. The Jews of Paul day would have been shocked by the six statements he makes in chapter 2. The Jews are guilty too. Let's go back to Romans chapter 1, chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. And let's read that again. Therefore you have no excuse or defense or justification, O man, whoever you are who judges and condemns another. For imposing as judge and passing sentence on another, you condemn yourself. Because you who judge are habitually practicing the very same things that you censor and denounce. But we know that the judgment, adverse verdict, sentence of God falls justly and in accordance with truth upon those who practice such things. And you, and do you think or imagine, O oh man, when you judge and condemn those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape God's judgment and elude his sentence and adverse verdict? After reading his horrific description of mankind's downfall, 
Pharaoh into godlessness and wickedness in Romans chapter 1, the Jews would have agreed fully with Paul and joined in with a self-righteous denunciation of the crimes. But never for one moment would they have included themselves in the same category. They believed that all the Gentiles were destined for judgment, but not the Jews. Hallelujah. Do we not sometimes think that way in the body of Christ about the lost? God loves them too. Jesus Christ died for the lost as well. He died for all mankind. But it's up to them to receive the gift of salvation. You know, there is none not righteous. We are all critters. I am a critter. Hallelujah. Sometimes I don't feel like doing the word. Sometimes I don't feel like even doing these studies. I'm a critter. But I pray and ask God to forgive me and to change my heart. Hallelujah. You know, it's all about being honest with the Lord. God wants us to be honest with him. Hey, we are all sinners. We are critters. We are a hot mess, as some would say. The Jews will be judged. Let's go to Romans. We're still in the book of Romans. Let's go down to verse 4. We're going to read that to verse 10. We're going to read that to verse 10. Hallelujah. And I guess, you know, seeing that I am new here on TalkShoe, it's going to take some time for those to, for the word to get out about women of grace, uh, a voice in the wilderness. But Romans chapter 2, verse 4 reads, Or are you so blind as to trifle with and presume upon and despise and underestimate the wealth of his kindness and forbearance and long-suffering, patience? Are you unmindful and actually ignorant of the fact that God's kindness is extended to lead you to repent, to change your mind, and enter an inner man to accept God's will? And this is so true, beloved. This very scripture um, was fulfilled in my life. I thank God that he was long-suffering and patient with me. I thank God that, that he brought me back to my, my senses brought me back home because of his loving kindness because of his tender mercy verse 5 but your callous stubbornness and impotence of heart you are storing up wrath and indignation for yourself on the day of wrath and indignation when God's righteous judgment just doom will be revealed for he will render to every man according to his works justly as his deeds deserve. To those who by penitent persistence and well-doing springing from piety, springing from pity, seek unseen but sure glory and honor and the eternal blessedness of immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking, self-willed, and disobedient, to the truth, but responsive to wickedness, there will be indignation and wrath. He said, but to those who are self-seeking and self-willed and disobedient to the truth, but responsive to wickedness, there will be indignation and wrath. Love that we need to die to the flesh. We need to die to self. We need to nail it on the cross. We need to have a funeral 
Hallelujah. Each time self rises up, we need to have a funeral. Hallelujah. Verse 9, and there will be tribulation and anguish and calamity and constraint for every soul of man who habitually does evil. The Jew first and also the Greek, Gentile. But glory and honor and heart peace shall be awarded to everyone who habitually does good. The Jew first and also the Greek, Gentiles. Habitually means it's a habit. It's a lifestyle. It's something that you do every day on a consistent basis, habitually. And we should be habitually seeking the Lord's face, habitually walking in his righteousness, habitually being good and sharing our peace with others. Here, Paul claimed that the Jews of his day had been taking advantage of God's great kindness tolerance and patience with them do we not do that today in the body of Christ that we take advantage of God's great kindness tolerance and patience with us hallelujah they had looked upon the mercy of God as an invitation to sin instead of seeing it as God's love giving them opportunity to repent and to be forgiven oh my God isn't this talking about the body today Hallelujah, how there is sin in the church. I was included in that too. Hallelujah, being led wrong, being taught wrong. Hallelujah, but God had to put me aside, and I began seeking God for myself. Seeking God for myself, hallelujah. Get me right, O oh Lord. Hallelujah, and then he began to, to bless me and to restore and open my eyes. Glory to God. Hallelujah. They had looked upon the mercy of God as an invitation to sin instead of seeing it as God's love giving them opportunity to repent and to be forgiven. The Jew thought that just because he was a Jew, he was immune to God's anger. Christians are like that today. The Christians thought that just because they are Christians, they were immune to God's anger. They are immune to God's anger. But Paul reveals that being a Jew or being a Christian by race, hallelujah, will not save him from judgment. If you are committing a lifestyle of sin, beloved, but yet call yourself a Christian and and do not repent in your heart, you will face God's anger. He'll be judged like the Gentile, not as his radical heritage, but by the kind of life he has lived. You will be judged. So now is the time to repent. Now is the time to seek the Lord's face for forgiveness. God has no favorites. God has no favorites, beloved. Let's let's jump down to verse 11 and it reads, For God shows no particularity, undue favor, or unfairness with him. One man is not different from another. One man is not different from another. The Jews thought that they had a privileged position with God because he had given them his law and has separated them from the world as a special nation. And God did do that. Yes, he did. But they took advantage of God's kindness. 
They began adding to God's law. They began adding restrictions. Hallelujah to God's law. They believed that they were favored, especially simply because their national descent from Abraham. Let's go to Matthews chapter 3. And we're going to read verse 7 through 9. And it reads, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, this is John the Baptist talking, who warned you to flee and escape from the wrath and indignation of God against disobedient that is coming. Bring forth fruit that is consistent with repentance. Let your lives prove your change of heart. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our forefather. I tell you, God is able to raise up descendants from Abraham from these stones. This is John the Baptist that was talking, called the Sadducees and the Pharisees a brood of vipers. And is not that spirit, that same spirit in the church today? Within the body of Christ today, there it's it's time to repent, beloved. It's time to repent. Hallelujah, and change and begin to show works of repentance. He said, "Bring forth fruit that is consistent with repentance. Let your lives prove your change of heart. Let your life prove." Your change of heart. Here, John, the commentary of John Gill says that bring forth therefore fruits. That is, if you are truly penitent, if you have a proper sense of sin and true repentance for it, do such works as are suitable to it, and will show the genuineness of your repentance. Fruits meant met for repentance are the same as works met. For repentance in Acts 26, verse 20, which reads, But showed forth unto them of Dominicus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works met for repentance. And as a tree is known by its fruit, so repentance is known by good works. These are the fruits and effects of repentance, which are proofs with men of the sincerity of their repentance. Those who follow up on evangelical repentance are such as the such as are mentioned in Second Corinthians chapter seven verse eleven, which read, "For behold, this selfsame thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort, what caref- carefulness." It wroth in you, yea, what clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, yea, what ravage, reverence, in all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Now let it be observed that John insisted upon repentance a good conversation assisting the truth of it as necessary prerequisites to the ordinance of baptism. Hallelujah. We must show forth the fruit of our repentance. 
not just say that we repent, but it must be evidence in our lives that our hearts have changed. Hallelujah. Changed towards living for Christ, living for God. Glory to God. Let us continue. What then, what they didn't realize was that their separation was not because they were special in themselves. In Amos chapter 9 verse 7 it reads, You, O degenerate children of Israel, are no more to me than these despised Kishnites, says the Lord. I brought up Israel out of the land of Egypt, but have I not also brought the Phil- the Philistines out of Kaptor and the Sirens from Kerr? Hallelujah. God delivered other people as well. Hallelujah. But because God had a purpose for them to fulfill, they were called to be God's channel to reach a world that was cut off from him. Through them, God revealed his righteous standard by giving them the law of Moses. And through them, the Savior of the world came. This separation was not for special privileges, but for special purpose. They had an assignment, and they failed at executing and walking in that assignment. They will be judged according to their greater knowledge. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to pick up. Um, This is real good. This is getting real good. Let me finish the last couple of these before we close out. Okay, they will be judged according to their greater knowledge. Let's go on to Romans chapter 2, verse 12, uh, moving on down. Um, Romans uh, 2, 12. And we're going to read that to 24. And all who have sinned without the law would also perish without regard to the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged and condemned by the law. For it is not merely hearing the law read that makes one righteous before God, but it is the doers of the law who will be held guiltless and acquitted and justified. When Gentiles who have not the divine law do instead do instinctively what the law requires, they are a law to themselves since they do not have the law. They show that the initial requirements of the law are written in their hearts and are operating there with which their consciousness, their consciences seek sense of right and wrong, also bear witness, and their moral decisions their arguments of reason, their condemning or approving thoughts will accuse or perhaps defend and execute them. On that day, when, as my gospel proclaims, God by Jesus Christ would judge men in regard to the things which they conceal, their hidden thoughts. Here, Paul is talking about the conscience of the Gentiles, that they may not have had the written law, but they had the law written on their hearts. Their consciences prick them. And you know, I shared that with someone in Christ, a young lady in Christ. I can't think of her name right now. But um, from what I told her concerning the conscience of man, hallelujah, our consciences are prick. If the word of God is written on your heart, your conscience will be pricked when you do something right or wrong. 
And because I shared that revelation with her, she went about telling people that I was teaching false doctrine. And here it is right here in the Word, talking about the Gentiles, hallelujah, that they had the Word written on their heart from their conscience, says in verse 15, they showed that the initial requirements of the law are written in their hearts and are operating there with which their consciences, sense of right and wrong, also bear witness, and by their moral decisions, their arguments of reason, their condemning or approving thoughts, will excuse or perhaps defend and excuse them. God has given us a conscience for a reason. Hallelujah. Talking about the sense of right and wrong that is written on our hearts. Hallelujah. Verse 17, but if you bear the name of Jew or rely upon the law and pride yourself in God and your relationship to him and know and understand his will and and discernly approve the better things and have a sense of what is vital because you are instructed by the law, and if you are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, and that you are a corrector of the foolish, a teacher of the childish, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, well then, you who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you teach against stealing, do you steal? Take what does not really belong to you? You who say not to commit adultery, do you commit adultery? Are you unchaste in action or in thought? You who abhor and loat idols, do you rob temples? Do you appropriate to your own just, your own use, what is consecrated to God, thus robbing the sanctuary and doing sacrilege? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? by stealthily infringing upon or carelessly neglecting or openly breaking it? For as it is written, the name of God is mangled and blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. The words to this effect are from your own scriptures. Here in Romans chapter 1, Paul has shown how God had revealed himself to mankind through creation. Therefore, mankind was without excuse for turning from him, but he now declares that the Jews had received a greater revelation of God via by the law, and with it a greater responsibility. Therefore, they too were without excuse. And who would be judged according to the understanding of God they had received through the law and through the prophets? Hallelujah. True circumcision is of the heart. Verse 25 to 27, still in Romans chapter 2. Circumcision does indeed profit if you keep the law. But if you habitually transgress the law, your circumcision is made uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the requirements of the law, would not will not his uncircumcision be credited to him as equivalent to circumcision? Then those who are physically uncircumcised but keep the law will condemn you, who, although you have the code in writing and have circumcision, break the law. 
he says, the right of circumcision had been given to the Jews as the sign of their separation to God. That's in Genesis chapter 17, verse 9 through 14. The cutting off of the flesh symbolized their separation from sin and their obedience to God's righteous commandments. The Jews prided themselves in the fact that God had given them his law and that they had been circumcised. But Paul points out that these men absolutely, these mean, this means absolutely nothing if one, one doesn't live according to them. He desires knowing God's law isn't what counts. Living by it is. Being circumcised isn't the issue. Having a heart separated from sin is. And that's what it means to be circumcised in your heart. To be separated from sin, from the world. If a Gentile kept God's law and lived up to his righteous standard, then Paul, says Paul, he would be truly circumcised even though he had not had the physical right. We are to be circumcised in our hearts. Let's move on, Romans 28 and 29. For he is not a real Jew who is only one outwardly and publicly, nor is true circumcision something external and physical. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and, and true circumcision is of the heart a spiritual and not a literal matter. His praise is not from men, but from God. It is a spiritual operation that must take place in our hearts. Hallelujah. Another great boast of the first century. Hallelujah. The true, the true, true Jew, Jew is not of race, but of heart. And if you have been circumcised in your heart, Hallelujah. By the Holy Spirit, you are the seed of Abraham. You are one of the seeds of Abraham. Hallelujah. Another great boast of the first century Jew was that he was a descendant of Abraham and therefore an heir of God's special promises to Abraham. Hallelujah. Let's go to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, talking about the, the promises of Abraham. Hallelujah. Now in Haran, the Lord said to Abram, Go for yourself, for your own advantage, away from your country and from your relatives and your father's house, to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and will bless you with abundant increase of favors and make your name famous and distinguished and you will be a blessing despising, dispensing good to others. And I will bless those who bless you, who confer prosperity or happiness upon you and curse him who curses or uses insolent language toward you. In you will all the families and kindreds of the earth be blessed, and by you they will be blessed themselves. So if you have been spiritually circumcised in your heart, you have the promises of Abraham resting up on you. 
Uh, he believed that since he was a Jew by race, talking about the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the Jewish people, that they had special privileges with God. But again, here Paul shows that God is only interested in the condition of a man's heart, not his racial heritage. God is interested in your heart. And what a challenge this is to us as Christians today. We too are not called for special privilege, even though we are privileged in Christ, but for special purpose. We have been called for a special purpose. Hallelujah. In John chapter 8, verse 37 to 44, Jesus himself had this to say to his Jewish, uh, uh, to the Jewish uh, uh to the Jewish people. He said, I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you do what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do the things Abraham did. You are doing the things of your of things your own father does. You belong to your father the devil and you want to carry out your father's desire. Hallelujah. Here and right here Jesus makes it plain and he makes it clear. Who is of God and who is not. Hallelujah. If you are doing wicked things Hallelujah. They wanted to kill Jesus. Jesus didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything. He went around blessing people. He went around setting people free. And they got jealous. They got angry. They got mad at him because of that. Because he was going around doing good. Jesus did no wrong. But he told them that you are of your father the devil. So you can tell who is of God and who is not. In the body of Christ. By our actions. Hallelujah. By how we treat one another. Glory to God. Let me read that. Um, the last uh, 44. Let me, let, let me read that. The children of the devil. 42. Jesus said to them. If God were your father. You would love me. And respect me. And welcome me gladly. For I proceeded, came forth from God out of his very presence. I did not even come on my own authority or of my own accord as self-appointed, but he sent me. Why do you misunderstand what I say? It is because you are unable to hear what I am saying. You cannot bear to listen to my message. Your ears are shut to my teachings. You are of your father, the devil. And it is your will to practice the lusts and gratify the desires which are characteristic of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a falsehood, he speaks what is natural to him. For he is a liar himself and the father of lies and of all that is false. Beloved, that that breaks it down in a nutshell. That who is and who is not of God 
on our actions. Whether we're serving the living God or we're serving Satan, there is no in-betweens. Jesus just bluntly came out and told him that your father is the devil. And these, are, these were men that knew the law. That read and studied, prayed and fasted and everything. But they hated. They didn't even recognize God when he came, when he showed up on the scene. They hated him. Why? Because they were of their father, the devil. And that applies to anyone in the body of Christ. Hallelujah that you can distinguish the difference. This is why it's so important that we must every day, salvation is a daily walk, and we must constantly be before the presence of God, asking to, for him to cleanse and wash us. Even though it was finished on the cross, the sin, not, that God, Jesus annihilated sin, it has not yet registered in our mind that we do not have to sin, that we do not have to yield to the slave master, which is Satan, any longer. This is why it's important to stay in the word. Hmm. Moving, reading on uh, to verse, but because I speak the truth, you do not believe me, do not trust me, do not rely on me or, or adhere to me. Who of you convicts me of wrongdoing or finds me guilty of sin? Then if I speak truth, why do you not believe me, trust me, rely on, and adhere to me? Whoever is of God listens to God. Those who belong to God hear the words of God. This is the reason that you do not listen to those words to me, of me. Because you do not belong to God. In an and are not of God or in harmony with him. The Jews answered him, Are we not right when we say you are a Samaritan and that you have a demon? Here they go. They ain't hear nothing that Jesus said. It was like that was a drive-by. They didn't hear nothing he said, that you are under the power of an evil spirit. Jesus answered, I am not possessed by a demon. On the contrary, I honor and reverence my father, and you dishonor, despise, uh, and scorn me. So whoever I am not, however, I am not in search of honor for myself. I do not seek and aim, not aiming for my own glory. There is one who looks after that. He seeks my glory, and he is the judge. I assured you most solemnly, I tell you, if anyone observes my teaching, lives in accordance with my message, keeps my word, he will by no means ever see an experienced death. You said to him, now we know that you are under the power of a demon. Insane, they were saying. Abraham died and also the prophets. Yet you say, if a man keeps my word, he will never taste of death into all eternity. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and all the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I were to glorify myself, magnify, praise, and honor myself, I would have no real glory. But my glory would be nothing and worthless. My honor must come to me from my Father. It is my Father who glorifies me, who extols me. 
who magnifies me and pray and praises me, of whom you say that he is your God, that you do not know him or recognize him and are not acquainted with him, but I know him. If I should say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I know him and keep his word, obey his teachings, and faithful to his message. For your forefather Abraham was extremely happy at the hope and prospect of seeing my day, my incarnation, and he did see it and was delighted. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and how, how have you seen Abraham? Jesus replied, I assure you most solemnly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. So they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus, by mixing with the crowd, concealed himself and went out of the temple enclosure. Glory to God. Next time we come together here on Talk Shoe, we're gonna talk up the next talk about the next subject, which God is a righteous judge. Hallelujah. Um my hour's up, but this is Women of Grace, a voice in the wilderness, and we're studying out the book of Romans in chapter two. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for truth. Hallelujah. Father, cleanse our hearts. Wash our hearts in the blood of Christ. Teach us, Father, how to to repent and ask for your forgiveness for sins, knowingly or unknowingly, of having an attitude in our hearts, O Lord. And if we have an ought against anybody, Lord, Father, we forgive them right now, O Father. We release them in forgiveness. And ask, O oh, Father, that you would bring them into the true revelation knowledge of Yeshua, Jesus Christ, that their hearts may be healed, that they may become sons and daughters of your kingdom. We thank you, Father, for this word on tonight. In Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, beloved, thank you. Thank you for joining us here at Women of Grace, A Voice in the Wilderness. May God bless you. And may God keep you, and may God's face shine upon you as you continue to sit at his feet, as you continue to seek his face, and sit at his feet, and learn from him. Until then, beloved, God bless you, and shalom. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.